Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to a very special Christmas slash holiday episode of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and I got to tell you that I've been really mulling it over for a couple of weeks now about what angle should I take for my sort of Christmas slash holiday podcast. This podcast is dropping on or about December the 20th. And I, I, I always want to be current and I want to speak to the issues that are either happening in the world or in our lives. And of course, okay, so the holidays coming up and many of us are going to be gathering with our families, you know, extended families and the whole nine yards. And so there's a lot of different directions I could take with this. Um, there's a lot of different topics I could talk about in terms of relationship dynamics and the connections and the interactions and, you know, how do you bring your partner to your family? When should you bring a partner to a family thing? You know, when, you know, when do you feel comfortable meeting their family? And so there's a lot of different directions we could go and it might say something about me as to the um, the direction I'm choosing, because I'm going to choose to talk about kind of how to survive family drama, how to survive, you know, family dynamics. Now, you might be that person, that one person in the world. Now, there's maybe more of you than just one, but you might be that person that the idea of going back, being around family, right? Siblings and their kids and your mom and dad and grandparents and aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces and, you know, the whole thing. You might, that might be the highlight of the year for you. You might have great relationships with everybody in your family and everybody in your family has great relationships with each other. And when you get together, it is just this wild, fun celebration and you never experience any drama, okay? That might be you. And if that is if that is you, we're all jealous of you. <laughs> Most of us don't believe it's true. <laughs> we're skeptical that you actually feel that way because most of us don't have that experience. Um, while most of us might love our family members, sometimes we don't actually love being around them all the time. And being around them um, can trigger certain things. Like, um, for instance, have you heard of the spiritual teacher Ram Das? He was pretty popular in the 80s and 90s, and I, I think he passed away around 2000. I'm not really sure. But one of his most famous statements, because he was always teaching people about enlightenment and awakening, you know, and all that kind of stuff. 
And one of his most famous statements to people when they were thinking, hey, man, I'm enlightened, you know, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've, really, I've really reached the, uh, the awakened level. He would sort of sarcastically say, yeah, you think you're enlightened? Go spend two weeks with your family. <laughs> okay. And what does that mean? That means that families trigger some old wounds, right? I mean, there's some old stuff. And there's family dynamics. And if there's something that's going to trigger you uh, or bring up some stuff, it's kind of family of origin issues, right? Isn't all of psychology basically trying to make sense of your family of origin dynamics? Isn't it true that if you sat down with Freud, the first thing he's going to say to you is, tell me about your mother? (laughs) Right? Right? So, um, so I'm not the only one who notices family dynamics and family drama and that these times can be times we look forward to, but then we're also going to these gatherings and somewhere in our minds, we are saying to ourselves, oh God, I hope nobody brings up this issue. <laughs> I hope nobody talks about politics or religion, or about somebody's ex, or about somebody's life choices, right? There, there's, there's like these taboo topics that you know if they come up, your family is going to explode <laughs> in drama and so forth. Or you might be going back to your family and you love your family, but oh my God, you know someone's going to say, Where's your partner? Why aren't you married? I want to have grandkids. Where's my great-grandbabies? Right? They're going to give you shit about your love life or where's that person that was with you last year? Where did they go? What happened? Right? So there's a part of you that might be really kind of excited about maybe seeing some people that you don't see very often. But then you're also like, oh, God. I mean, oh, they're going to they're gonna do this. They're going to say that. Right? Or here's, here's something that, that you can pay attention to. Um, and we're going to talk a lot about this in the, in the moments to follow. But it's like there are certain roles that if you look closely in your family, there are certain roles that everyone seems to play. Like It's like... It's like being on a big football team, right? Not all the football players play the same position. They don't have the same role. I mean, they're all on the same team, but they all do different things, right? You have the quarterback and the running back and the guys that block on the line. Then you have the receivers. Then you have defensive parts of your team, right? The linebackers and the safeties and the cornerbacks. So it's one team. It's one family, but everybody has a different role, (laughs) Now, some of those roles, right off the top of my head, you know, you might have one of the relatives that plays sort of I drink too much and become obnoxious role, or I'm the alcoholic in the family, or you might have the nagging person, the person that plays the role. It's always kind of getting in people's business and sort of telling them what to do. And then you might have the black sheep of the family right? The person that's always kind of been in trouble. And then you might have the good girl or good boy in the family. They've always, you know, 
done the right thing and everyone thinks they're wonderful and so forth, right? So um, we have these roles. Like you might have a, a peacemaker. Some, somebody in your family is always trying to put out the fires and keep everybody from arguing or you know, from having trouble. Uh, and then maybe you've got the jokester in your family, someone who's you know always – trying to make jokes and crack people up and being sarcastic. And and then you got maybe someone in the family that's the touchy-feely one, the one that's always sensitive and getting offended by everything. And so is always on guard for, for what's being done that's not appropriate. You know, the person who's kind of maybe the woke person in the family. Uh, and along with the woke person, then you've got the, you know, the unwoke person who, who just likes to poke the bear and say semi-quasi-racist comments, right? Maybe you've got the racist person in your family, right? You know, grandfather, grandmother. That was true in our family. So, so when you go into these family dynamics, you get the opportunity, and this is kind of what I want to talk about. You get the opportunity to stand back and watch the family as if you were sort of a fly on the wall. And, and this is the, the thought, this is the perspective I want to offer to you. If you're going to some family gatherings, I want to invite you to go and be involved and be there. But at the same time, I kind of want a part of your consciousness to have an out-of-body experience. And you're like a fly on the wall or you're like a camera, you know, that records audio and video. And a part of you is just watching the family, okay? And you're watching yourself. And what I want you to do is I want you to go to your, your gatherings with your family and, like I said, fully engage and have fun and talk to people and whatever happens, happens is great. But in the meantime, I want to see if you can identify the various roles that everybody is playing in your family. Like, can you say, okay, there's dad. What's the role that dad plays? What's the role that dad has played our entire lives? Okay, and there's mom. Okay, what's, what's the role that she's played? Now, I can give you some suggestions, but they're going to come out as awful generalized and maybe even sexist. I mean, you know, <laughs> because... My family of origin, my mom and dad were very traditional in things, right? So my dad was the kind of person that wasn't doing anything. His role wasn't to do anything sort of in the family. He, you know, he worked and he provided, but when he was home, he didn't really do anything. He just sat on the couch and, you know, had a Manhattan or whatever and watched sports and but mom was the one who did everything. She made all the food, right? And she did all the decorations, right? So there was kind of like this dynamic where dad was like kind of there, but not really involved, kind of in a sense. And mom was doing everything, over-functioning, you could say. So that was their dynamic. Now, maybe that resonates with you. All I All I know is I want you to, See if you can label and name the roles that your parents played in your family. I'm not saying just at the holidays. I'm saying, no, as a family dynamic, here's the role my dad played, right? 
Maybe he was the angry one. Yeah, dad was the angry one. And and maybe mom was the one that sort of um, covered for him or made excuses for him or tried to keep everybody from getting mad at dad for being such an angry bastard. Okay, I mean, so like I said, I can give you all these hypotheticals, um, but I want you to be looking at not just the holiday, but your whole life. And in your own mind, just be watching, label, label your mother and your father, and then go to your, then go to your siblings. Okay. What roles do your siblings play? Is, is someone the black sheep? Was someone the really good student, the smart one? It was somebody the athletic one, the achiever? Is there someone that, you know, there's more, one of your siblings is more dark and depressed and down and the other one is more bubbly and happy and, and, you know, doing all that. Like, look at your siblings and see if you can label what roles were they playing, okay? Who have they always been in the family, okay? All right? And then how about yourself? What has your role always been? What role have you always played? Now, for me, I had a couple of roles. Um, I was the jock. Okay. Um, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm a great athlete. I'm good at every sport, right? I'm, I'm very, pretty much you name the sport and I'm good at it. And there's a few sports I'm really good at. Okay. But I've always been the jock the athlete. My brother was the musician. He actually plays trumpet in the San Francisco Symphony. So he's like a world-class musician. Okay. And my sisters were, they played roles of, um, my oldest sister for most of our lives was, was the bad girl of the family. She was the rebel you know, her and my mother had an awful toxic relationship. She was the oldest in the family. And so the mother-daughter relationship really played out. My mother played kind of the control freak, um, kind of angry, kind of um, perfectionistic, demanding, controlling role. Um, my dad at the holidays, was he was not involved in the preparations, but... My dad was the the feely one in the family. He was, you know, he was the one that would cry at a movie. Like I think I've shared before, I've never seen my mother cry. I mean, she's dead now, but I never saw her cry one time in my life that I can ever remember. My dad cried all the time, right? So my dad had more of the touchy-feely side to him. Um, Whenever I saw my dad, he would kiss me. I mean, I would, I, you know, he died in 2007, which means I was about 50 or 47, 48. Um, he would kiss me right on the forehead, on the cheek, you know, so he was Italian and very affectionate and kissy. My, my mother was very non-touchy. I, I don't, I don't really remember. She would never greet me with kind of a, a warm embrace and kissing me on the cheek. One of the sweet things I remember from my childhood is if I was ever sick and they thought I might have a fever, right? My mother would get me the thermometer. My dad would put his cheek against my forehead 
to feel the heat on my forehead. And that's, that sort of chokes me up even to remember that, right? So you get a little feel for the roles that my parents played. And like my older sister was kind of the black sheep. Um, my younger sister, um, it's a little tougher to identify her role. Um, I think she she was kind of the peacemaker. I think she she stayed in the background. And, and because I took up a lot of space in my family as this jock, performer, athlete. And that took up a lot of energy in the family. And my oldest sister was kind of the black sheep. She was always getting in trouble and her and mom were at each other's throats. And I think my my sister, who's a couple of years younger than me, just didn't have any room. I think she just stayed kind of in the background, um, kind of just maybe didn't want to bother anyone. Her, her role was just not to be noticed or not to make a bother. Um, and then I have a younger brother who came along much later. He's seven years younger than me. So he, and, and by my parents' admission, they weren't planning on having another child. You know, he just came along. And and he's the the musician in the family. Okay. So these are the these are the roles. But the other role that I play, other than the jock, is I'm I I'm the jokester. It's like when I go back to my family, even though I have a good sense of humor and I use it around my wife and some of my friends and stuff like that, um, it's like I become a different person when I go home. It's like all of a sudden I'm trying to make everybody laugh and I'm making jokes and and I don't know if it's because I'm uncomfortable around my family or I was when I was a kid. Um, there's a chance that I felt so uncomfortable around my mother and my oldest sister and all of their drama um, that it was my way of avoiding my own sadness. Um, just try to make people laugh a little bit so that I didn't have to feel sad or scared about how much my mother and my older sister hated each other's guts. Now, later in life, they really repaired that relationship and, and got along quite well. Um, but during my formative years, man, it was World War III around our house between my, my, my mom and my oldest sister. And I think my, my younger sister just tried to kind of stay out of the way of it, I tried to sort of intervene with my humor. And so it's always funny, even though my parents are gone now, when I gather with my sisters or brother and like a family gathering or some kind, it's like I, all of a sudden I become the jokester again. It's like, what are you doing, Roy? <laughs> it's like you're 10 years old again. It's like you're 14 again. Like what, what is this? And so that's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you to reflect on your family and see if you can identify everybody's role and even do this beyond your, your nuclear family. Do it with extended family. Maybe you've got brothers, sisters, they're married. So what role do their spouses play? How about aunts and uncles? Right. I had an uncle, my, my, my father's brother was like the, the braggadocious one. He was always trying to tell you how great he was at everything, <laughs> okay. so, which annoyed my father. My father, uh, I think he wanted to be thought of as the, the best one in his family, right? So my, my father's family had 
you know, my, my grandparents on my dad's side, they came over on the boat from Italy straight through Ellis Island. And so my grandfather, he drove a truck, a, a beer truck for Al Capone in Prohibition, right? So my grandfather was, was mobbed up, okay? And they had a very traditional relationship. My grandmother was the, the Italian grandmother, stay-at-home cook, and oh my God, the food that she would make. Oh, heavens, you can't imagine how good her ravioli and lasagna and her, her spaghetti sauce was. Oh, just, it kills me. Just, <laughs> but their relationship was so traditional that when my grandfather died, my grandmother had a nervous breakdown because she didn't know how to do anything. She didn't even know how to balance a checkbook, right? She was, he took care of everything and she was the, the one who raised the children and made the food. She never worked outside the home. And when my grandfather died, she didn't, she couldn't function, right? Because she had been so sheltered, um, right? So, that, I want you to do that. I want you to, can you, can you name everybody's role non-judgmentally if possible? Can you just say, yeah, okay, grandpa was this way. Grandma was this way on my mom's side. Like my mom's side, my mom's father was an alcoholic. Um, I didn't, I, he was dead by the time I was seven. Um, my mom's mom was the racist of the family. I mean, she was born in Kentucky in like 1900 and oh my God, you just, you can't believe it. Um, the she was, you know, kind of rough and crusty. And I remember one quick story. She was in her mid eighties and she used to drive a green Pinto. <laughs> okay. This is back now in the seventies. Um, or no, my mid eighties, I think she was born in 1900. Um, and, and she, we had to take my parents had to take the car keys away from her, right? Um, because at the end, when she was still driving, one of her famous sayings was, "They have brakes, right?" So she would just drive with this attitude that everybody else has got brakes. I don't need to use mine, <laughs> right? So that's that anger, crusty, racist. That's who. That's who my 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 maternal grandmother was, right? So I want you to do this. I want you to have a little fun and not ju non-judgmentally, just what role is everybody playing and what role are you playing, okay? Now, when you go to your family and you've already done this, so hopefully you're doing this before you go to whatever holiday celebration you might have, you go already knowing in your head. So you walk in the room, it's like, oh, there's dad, he's this. Oh, there's mom. She's that. And there's my brother. There's my sister. Oh, and here's me, right? And just go in the awareness of what your family does. That's it. Like you don't have to do anything more. Then can you go in the awareness that everybody's playing a role? They all have their defense mechanisms, including you. We all have our way of surviving. In other words, we all have our personas in our families, right? And you know from this podcast, personas are false ways of being and their purpose is to help us survive or be successful at something or 
to satisfy a need. And if you can see that, that everybody, even if you've got issues with your brothers or sisters or mom or dad, okay, there's some old wounds, right? You're going to go around there and someone's going to say something that they've always said since you were a kid, or you're going to go back to your family and they're going to see you as the same person that they've seen you since you were a kid. And you know, you've changed, you know, you're not the same person, but they're going to use the same nicknames for you. Right? They're they're gonna they're gonna bring up some of the same stories around the dinner table about things that you did when you were a kid and so forth. And and you're gonna be they're gonna wanna put you in the box that they've always had you in. And can you notice that? And can you notice that you might do the same thing to them? That you might be seeing them through the lens of, of who they were twenty five years ago. And you might be putting them in a box and you might have assumptions about them or expectations about them. So if you can go back into your family with your eyes open in this way, I think I can almost guarantee you it will transform your holiday experience without having to do anything other than I notice the roles that I play. I notice them. I notice their personas and I really see that everybody is playing their role or embodying their persona because it's just their their way of surviving or succeeding or satisfying a need. It's, It's just their way and I do mine. See, here's the key. When you see your own personas, when you see the the way you have been trying to survive, the way you grew up in a family trying to succeed, get attention, whatever it might be. See, the way you were as a kid trying to satisfy your needs. If you can look at yourself and the roles that you play with compassion and just understand yourself, "Ah, no wonder why I did that. Like for me as the jokester or the athlete, those were personas for me to survive and to, and, to, and to feel love, to feel, to get attention, to feel special, right? Like I look at those roles that I played with real compassion. Like, yeah, Roy, I get you. That was the only way you knew how to survive and to satisfy your needs or to feel successful and to get, get attention, to have people notice you. Yeah, you little, so I, I see myself as a little boy functioning like that. And I just want to put my arms around him and say, oh, 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 come here, Roy. I mean, I, I totally get you, dude. I get you. You make perfect sense to me. It's okay. I mean, do I have to keep playing those roles now as a 62-year-old man? Heavens no. But even if I do, I can meet that with compassion. So, oh, man, it's so easy to get sucked back into my childhood and into our family dynamics. And it's like I just you know, went back to the future. I'm back into the early 80s or the early 70s. <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, I've transformed. If I can look at myself with compassion, then I can look across the table and see compassion because they're doing the same damn things I'm doing. They're doing the same thing for the same reasons, but in their way. 
right? The argumentative one, the alcoholic, the over-functioning one, the peacemaker, the black sheep. I don't care what role it is. You, you played a role and maybe are playing a role and so are they. And no roles are better or different, right or wrong than any other. I mean, yeah, okay. There might be some roles people play that are more destructive. If someone's the alcoholic, okay, they could be destroying their liver and different things. But I think you know what I'm saying. You're in a persona, they're in a persona. And if you, if you can understand yourself and say, well, given, given my family dynamic, I see why I had to develop that role, play that role. If you can see that about yourself, maybe you can see why your, your family members are playing their roles. Like my mother, who was that, that crustier one, the tougher one that never cried. Well, did you hear how I just described her mother and father? Her father was an alcoholic. And from what I understand, no one talked about it, but I think he was physically abusive. Okay. That was one topic that floated around our family, but nobody really ever talked about it. So I'm not sure. But my mom's father was an alcoholic. My mom's mother was a mean, tough old bitch. Racist, right? Do you think that affected my mother growing up in that environment? You're damn right it did. So how do I look at my mother and have issues, really have real issues with her, when she is a product of her conditioning, like I'm a product of mine. Everybody is a product of their conditioning. I think I've said this before. If you grew up in Afghanistan, if you were born in a cave and raised by militant Islamic extremists and been taught your version of religion and that anyone who didn't believe in Allah, the way we do, should have their heads cut off. If you were raised in that environment, you would have a sword chopping off people's heads. Do not tell me that you wouldn't. You are a product of your conditioning. And so you grew up in a family. Your parents grew up in families. Your aunts and uncles grew up in dynamics. Your brothers and sisters if you look closely enough at anybody's life, they will make perfect sense to you. Other than maybe someone who is uh, like psychotic or you know has some sort of mental, the wiring got messed up, right? But if you knew everybody's experience and how they were raised and what they've been through, I mean, if you knew everything about an individual, they would make perfect sense sense to you. Like, no wonder you're that way. No wonder you respond that way. No wonder you keep asking me about grandbabies. When am I going to get my grandchild? Right? They would make perfect sense to you if you knew all the inner workings of their psychology and their history. So when you grasp that, that you are a product of your conditioning, and that everybody else is too. If you can be compassionate towards yourself and say, I understand why I am the way I am, why I struggle with what I struggle with. I, I, I get it. The way, 
the way I was raised, the environment in which I was raised, the experiences I've had. Yeah, the things I struggle with, some of the shit that I do, some of the mistakes I've made, makes perfect sense. I make perfect sense to me. That's what self-awareness is, by the way. Self-awareness is I understand myself. Now, you can understand yourself with compassion or with judgment. Why do it with judgment since you didn't choose it, right? You're a product of your conditioning. Why not just love yourself? Okay, this is, these, are the, these are the cards that I was dealt. Now, that doesn't mean you can't break out of a persona. It doesn't mean the alcoholic in the family can't stop drinking. It doesn't mean the peacemaker can't speak up. It doesn't mean the black sheep can start to get their shit together and quit you know, creating drama after drama after drama in their life, right? I'm not saying we're locked into these things and we could never change. I'm not saying if you grew up in a cave in Afghanistan, later on in your life, you might come to your senses and say, this is ridiculous. I thought God was supposed to be loving. What, he only loves us, <laughs> right? So I'm not saying that you can never change and you're stuck forever, but I am saying that you can have compassion about how you got to where you are and how everybody else got to where they are. So then you go to your family gathering and it's like, oh, I love you. You're nuts, but I get it. (laughs) I understand. It's like, and, and I mean this all happening within yourself. So you can go and enjoy your family, even though some people may annoy you and irritate you and all of that. But when you have this understanding that everybody's in persona, everybody's playing a role, everybody's scared, and everyone's just trying to succeed or survive or satisfy a need, that's what humans do. When you see it, you're like, oh, I get it. It's okay. If you're still doing your thing, I guess you still need to do your thing. If I'm still doing my thing, all right, I guess I still need to be the jokester. I guess I still need to be the uh, the athlete and get around my family and tell them about all the, the, the athletic achievements I've had this year, which is what I'm liable to do. And if I do, I do. But if I notice it, maybe I don't want to define myself that way anymore. Maybe I want to go be around my family because I'm going to be around them coming up for Thanksgiving. I have more family time at Thanksgiving than Christmas because of my son's schedule. And I'm going to be more mindful of falling into my jokester role and my my jock role, right? And see who would I be if I dropped some of that, which might be scary. But, but that, that's my holiday message, I guess is like, notice the roles everybody's playing, notice the roles you're playing, but notice it with the understanding that it's their way of trying to succeed or satisfy a need or survive. And it's all, it's just what they do. It's just what we do. It's just what I do. And so when you're around your family, you can let go of wanting anything to be different. That's the key. You can let go of wanting my family to be different. You can let go 
of wanting people to not ask you about your relationship status and when you're going to have a baby and where is the guy who was with you last year or where's that girl that was here last year. You can just say that's probably what's going to happen. And I'm just going to answer from my heart and answer honestly. But I'm not going to go there ready for a fight. I'm just, I'm not going to resist my family being my family. I sort of know what's going to happen. <laughs> I know if somebody mentions politics, okay, here we go. Wow. Then we're going to draw up sides and they're going to start arguing. Or I know someone's going to drink too much and say something they're not supposed to say. And then someone's feeling is going to get hurt or whatever it is, right? You, If you know what's happening, you know what's going to happen. How about drop any resistance to that and just say, I'm giving myself and my family permission to just be who we are. I'm not going wishing so-and-so would be different. Oh, I'm wishing my sister-in-law, you know, isn't going to do what she always does. Oh, I'm wishing Aunt Sally isn't going to be doing or saying X, Y, or Z. Say no. They're they're probably going to be who they've always been. And I don't want them to be different. I want to love them just as they are. Yes, you may have to draw some boundaries. You may have to excuse yourself out of conversations that are racist. Or you may have to give a quick answer when someone says, where's the grandchildren? You know, and say, I I appreciate how much you want a grandchild. You know, frankly, I I would like a child someday, but it's not happening right now. Um, and, uh, And then excuse yourself and go talk to someone else. Right, but you don't have to have that inner angst. Can't believe you're saying this to me. Every year you say this to me. One year after another, you know I'm not coming back next year. I'm never going to be around these assholes anymore. Right? You can you can really just say, "Nah, this is my family, and I don't want them to be different." Because if I want them to be different, and I can't control that, then all I'm doing is upsetting myself. That's an insight for you, right? When you try to control the uncontrollable, that's the definition of drama. (laughs) If you can't control them, why waste energy wishing they would be different? How about if you just go in there expecting them? Well, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if this dynamic plays out. And if this person shows up this way and that person shows up that way, and you can decide before you go in. I don't want it to be different. If it is, wonderful. If it isn't, I don't care. I'm not wanting anyone to be different. I don't even need myself to be different. So just relax, take a breath, and go enjoy your family. And until next time, happy holidays and or Merry Christmas. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.